Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. We give you this day. Lord, we give you this study of Joshua. Thank you, God, that you are the one who came to save. That's what the name Joshua means, the one who saves. Help us to be just like Joshua in the Old Testament, and Lord, especially just like Jesus in the New Testament. Help us to be the kind of people that will look out for those who are, who are drowning and who are dying and who are suffering, and that we would ease their suffering. That, Lord, you would use us as your hands and your feet to, to eliminate suffering and difficulty in this world. And, Lord, just like Jesus laid down his life, he said, no one takes my life. I lay my life down of my own accord. Father, help us to be the same kind of people who say, you know what? I lay my life down. I put my priorities aside. And I want to serve you, Lord. I'm going to make you the number one thing in my life. And I'm going to serve others. I'm going to make my life about serving others. So, Father, we love you. Bless the studying and the reading of your word today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I'm good. If you're online, make sure and greet one another. Poke someone, say hello to somebody. Yes, I'll take some water. We're right on time, getting into the word. Try to get to the word at the top of the hour here. We've been in a series this year called Tag 2020. And um, hopefully you guys can hear me okay. I'm gonna bring this just a tad closer. Our whole mic situation's a little different. Let me flip that, there we go. I'm gonna shorten it, well, maybe not. Okay, grab your Bible and turn to, turn to a few pages, but turn to the end of the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to study this Old Testament character named Joshua, and I've made mention of him quite a bit already. And so, you guys know that we've studied from creation to this time of this game of receiving and giving. God gives, He asks us to give, we get to take a bite, and we keep our hand open so He can put more in. That's how that's how the life cycle works. We never close our hand. We never clutch the things that he's given as if they're ours. Because nothing that we have is permanently ours. Because we're not permanent residents of this world. We're just caretakers of it. That car you have, it might have your name on the title. But it's actually God's car. So that's why you should take care of your car. That house that you have your name on the title of, yeah, it might have your name on the title, or maybe the bank still has its name on the title. But it's not really yours or the bank's. You're the caretaker of it. It belongs to God. So you should take care of God's, God's house. You should take care of God's stuff. This body that you have, it's given by God. You, you have vision, you have ears, you have hands, you have feet, right? You have a stomach. <laughs> you have a sexual identity. All of this are given to you by God. You're expected to take good care of your body and your mind, your emotions. You're a caretaker of what God has given to you. You're accountable. You're responsible for these things. And along with those responsibilities, of course, comes some rights, right? As in America, we have, we have the right to bear arms. We have the right to free speech. We have the right uh, God-given to our constitution and to our government, we the people have agreed that these have been endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. And that's pretty great. To those who believe in his name, to as many as would come to him, he gave the right to become the children of God. You have the right to sonship, to daughtership, as, as a person who believes to be adopted by God, to be a member of his family. So that's great. 
We, we have the rights as children to go to our Father and ask for what we need. And, and, and anything we ask in His name, He hears us. And He is able to provide whatever we need. That's why we pray thee, our Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This is a model for prayer. It's a model for how we're supposed to commune with God. And Joshua has this crazy encounter. He, he is basically like a lieutenant for Moses. He is sort of the, the captain of the Lord's army as they leave Egypt. Jo Joshua was a slave in Egypt. But there was some kind of gift that he had. Probably a leadership gift. He was probably really quick with a sword. He was probably uh, very deft at, at working with the weapons that he had. And he was good at training other people. And he was good at explaining difficult things so that everyone could easily understand. That's what leaders do. So Joshua becomes the leader. And that's, that's what we see in Deuteronomy chapter 31. When Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old, and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me that you will not cross the Jordan River, but the Lord God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised. The Lord will destroy the nations living in the land just as he destroyed Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites. The Lord will hand over to you the people who live there, and you must deal with them as I have commanded you. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail nor abandon you. And then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous. Verse 7. For you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore their ancestors he would give them. And you are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And again in this passage, over and over again, he says, So be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Why was God saying that to Joshua over and over again? <laughs> so it would stick. And they were, they were outnumbered in the land that they were going to. This seemed like an impossible task. Look at, look at how, where we stand right now as people of faith. Doesn't it seem that we're outnumbered? Be strong and of good courage. The Lord your God is with you. We don't have to be afraid. Be very strong. Be of very good courage. He's not going to abandon you. He's going to go before you. And everyone else is losing their mind. You get to keep yours. Hallelujah. When the world is going absolutely nuts, guess, guess what? We have a thread of sanity. We know where our, where our truth is. We know what our faith is based upon. It's not a floating standard. It's an unmoving standard called the Word of God. Man, isn't that comforting to know? This, this truth has stood the test of time for over 7,000 years or longer. 
Because how many know that this truth existed even before it was written down? Right? It's eternal truth. Psalms 91 is a really good one. Yeah, of course. I love Psalm 91. It's a great psalm of protection. That that whole the whole idea of God being the shadow of our protection is beautiful. So that leads us to Joshua chapter 1. Turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. So after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. And Nun is a name, not saying he didn't have a father or mother. The Nun was his dad's name. I guess, I think Nun might have been broke with a name like Nun. Or he was a Nun? That's weird. I thought Nuns had to be women. Okay, whatever. So Mo Moses' assistant was Joshua. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. This is God speaking to Joshua. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. I could say the same thing to the church of, of Jesus Christ right now. You know, Moses is dead. Joshua is dead. Christ is alive. But we're living in a time where the time has come for you to lead. Time's come for you to lead. Like, but who am I? I don't have the gifts. I'm not smart. I'm, I'm not educated. I'm just a guy. I'm just this ordinary person. That's exactly who you are. That's exactly who God wants to use. You look at the early disciples. They were just ordinary guys, man. Fishermen, tax collectors, IRS agents, right? They were <laughs> ordinary salt-of-the-earth kind of people. And he turned the world upside down with ordinary people. And so... He says, the time has come to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. And he goes on to name from east to west, north to south. So verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore their ancestors that I would give them. Joshua's going, who's going to lead these people? God's going, you are. Ooh. Uh, I'm not sure I'm up for it. I'm not Moses. No, you're Joshua. You're exactly who I need you to be at this time in, in Israel's history. So again, he says, verse 7, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. How many would like to be successful in everything you do? What's the secret to success according to God? Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it and day and night and you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Okay, message received, right? Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Whew. Listen, Summit Church, God is with you when you go into the store. He is with you when you walk into a protest or you go into the chop zone in Seattle. God is with you when you go to Tennessee or to Detroit or Minneapolis or Los Angeles or wherever you may go. God's not going to leave you. He's not look, look into my eyeballs. He's not going to leave you. He's for you. The same God that was the God of Joshua is your God. He's my God. And he's commanding us the same thing he commanded Joshua. Be very strong. Do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. This enemy will, will melt before God. You don't have to be afraid.
when everyone else is losing their mind, you get to keep yours. Because we know where we're going. We have a purpose. So the time has come for us to lead. You know, it reminds me of this business book. Some of you read business. I'm wearing my entrepreneur hat, and those of you who are business people. My wife is a business owner and a CEO, and a lot of you have started businesses and maintained businesses and sold businesses. We know what business is all about, right? There's a great business book about change in the marketplace and management. It's called Who Moved My Cheese? If you've never read the book, I really recommend it. It's like a parable of two mice, like two lab rats, trying to navigate their way through a maze. And they're trying to find the cheese. And some days they go, twist and turns, okay, two lefts, a right, and then the square, and then you make another right, and you find the cheese. And like every day they go and they find the cheese in the same place. Like, isn't it great? We have the endless source of cheese. We can always find it. And so they do the two lefts and a right, they make the room, then we go to the left, and then all of a sudden, one day, the cheese disappears. And therefore, the name of the title of the book, Who Moved My Cheese? <laughs> and it happens in business. It happens in ministry. It happens in life. Just where you thought the provision was going to come from, it suddenly dries up. You're like, where's the help coming from? I thought the cheese was always going to be here. Maybe not. And this, this parable is filled, this book is filled with all kinds of axioms and little nuggets of wisdom as these mice are trying to find the cheese and continue to run through the maze. Sometimes they discover cheese, sometimes they don't. But one of the axioms that has stuck with me since the years ago since I've read the book is they have these little posters on the wall that give them hints as to where the cheese might be. And one of the axioms on the wall in this book says, what would you do if you weren't afraid? What would you do if you weren't afraid? That's probably the very thing you should be doing. Because fear is crippling. Fear tries to keep you from doing the thing you know you should be doing. And God does not say, oh, well, go ahead and be afraid if it's a fearful time. Joshua, I know it's scary, so why don't you just stay in the desert? No. No. I gave a promise to your people. I gave a promise to Moses. And it's time for you to lead these people. I'm telling you, be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be intimidated. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Every place you put your foot, it's going to be yours. So just what would you do if you weren't afraid? And I had Lily look up this passage as I was running over here. I just thought of this other encounter that Joshua had with, with the angel of the Lord. And it's Joshua 5.13. Joshua is praying. How many know that when you get scared, sometimes you can't sleep? Imagine this. They're on the edge of Canaan. They're in the Sinai desert and they're thinking about, do we, are we, dude, are we going to do this? We're going to do this? Really? For real? Joshua goes to the other side of the river. <laughs> and if you've been to the Jordan, it's not, you could swim across it, you know, but it's like, so he wants to see, check out the land for himself. They've sent spies. And an angel of the Lord appears to Joshua. So, and so when he crosses the Jordan, he gets to the town of Jericho. And Joshua looks up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. So I have, I have my machete from El Salvador. Mi gente. Bienvenido, señores y señores. That's scary, right? Imagine a much bigger sword with a much taller man standing before you. And you're just going to spy out the land and someone with a sword is standing there. 
in front of the, the city that you plan to attack the next few days. Ooh. He's just standing. He's not intimidated. He's not moving. not flinching. He's not coming at you either. Just the man standing there with the sword. Maybe a little smirk on his face. That's how I imagine it. Like, <laughs> kind of like that. What's up, buddy? What's up? <laughs> right? Ooh. That's, that's the picture of what we see. So the man is standing in front of him with a sword in his hand, and Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you a friend or a foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. <laughs> He's like, Joshua, I didn't come here to take sides. I came here to take over. It's not about whether I'm on your side or not. You can get on my side, boy. Neither one. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell on his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, same thing he said to Moses we studied last week, take off your sandals. So, picking up, Rahab the prostitute was saved from Jericho. Rahab became, or was, the great-grandmother of Boaz, Jesse, King David, and eventually Jesus Christ. That God used a Canaanite woman, a Gentile woman, to be the great-grandmother of our Lord and Savior. Isn't that amazing? God can use people of bad reputation to accomplish His good purposes. Isn't that wonderful to know? How many of you felt like you've screwed up so bad there's no way God could use you? Guess what? You cannot outsin His grace. You actually cannot disqualify yourself because His love is greater than all your sin. His forgiveness goes bigger than your feelings. You're like, but I don't feel very holy. I don't feel like God loves me. God's greater than your feelings. He loves you so much. He loves you more than you know. And when he, when he declares you holy, it doesn't matter whether you feel holy or not. He's declared it, so you are holy. So, I just found that very inspiring. And so, you can see this, if you want proof that Jesus was the great-grandson of Rahab the prostitute, you can read about it in Matthew chapter 1. It gives the genealogy of Jesus. And sure enough, in verse 5, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. And we know King David was a great-grandfather of Jesus Christ. And so, we see that, that God saves perfectly. He saves completely. He can use anybody. And He likes to use ordinary people. God enjoys using the underdog. He enjoys using the least likely. The person that seems least qualified. Do you know why that is? So He gets all the glory. And we don't take any of the credit. We go, I don't know how he did it. It's amazing. He just did it and I I was almost like it was happening to me. Like I don't even, I was there, but it's like he just did it. And I was like, wow, amazing. Like he takes idiots like you and me. Wait, 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 wait. No, I know you're in this, you're in this with me. He takes total imbeciles. 
total, total with the, in the Greek, the idiotes. He takes all of us idiots and uses us for his glory. And if you haven't put yourself in that category, maybe you haven't sufficiently humbled yourself enough yet. <laughs> right? And here's what's kind of terrifying about the ministry of Joshua, is that God demands strict obedience from Israel. And even some of these commands, you question it, like, you got to kill everybody? Like the women, the children, the cattle, like every living thing? And yet Joshua obeys God, and he does exactly what God says, and he says, and how to do it. And it doesn't seem like the New Testament God to us when we read stuff like that. But we weren't there. Maybe there was a disease. Maybe there was so much terrible corruption that they, they were unredeemable. It could be that they were so wicked they would never submit to Jewish authority. They would never submit to God's word and they would always be a burr on their side. And of course we see that is the truth in the Old Testament. The Canaanites that they didn't take out ended up pulling Israel into idolatry. And so it's that strict obedience that God is looking for and it kind of rubs our our sensibilities the wrong way because we wish that oh can't we just be nice well maybe sometimes being nice means being righteous and being holy not compromising letting someone get away with murder literally or figuratively is not being nice it's not being nice to the murderers victims and it's not being nice to the murderer who thinks he's getting away with it I know that's unpopular talk but it's the Word of God. <laughs> I didn't write it. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> so Joshua chapter 7. God demands strict obedience. And we see they get to this place called Ai. And for the first time in battle, God destroys Jericho completely. Walls come down. They're like, well, we're just man, It's going to be God the whole way. We're just going to take this place easy. Let's just send a couple people over, just a few folks over to Ai. And they get their, their butts handed to them. And a bunch of Israelis die. And they're like, Joshua, I thought you said God was with us. Suddenly fear struck the whole camp. And he says, well, turns out this guy named Achan had stolen a bunch of stuff from Jericho. It hid it in his tent. And they were taking what belonged to the Lord and lying about it. And they had to deal with him pretty severely. God demands strict obedience. And again, we as Westerners, we don't like that. We're like, I want to do what I want to do, and nobody tells me what to do. God can. God can and God will. Like I said yeah, last week, this is his universe. If you don't like it, go get your own universe. Let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> People who create their own universe, you know what, the, know what, they, what they're called? They're, tr they're called alcoholic, drug addict. <laughs> We're trying to create our own personally defined world. And that's always an illusion. It's not real. So even getting your own universe doesn't really work. <laughs> right? And Joshua's a man of prayer. I want to look at this one particular time. One of the other major events in Joshua's life that people find so crazy is that they were in a battle where they were winning, but they ran out of daylight. It's like, man, if we just had like another day's worth of light, we could get the rest of these guys and just clean out this whole area. 
So Joshua prays this prayer. God, would you just let the sun stand still for a day and a half, two days maybe, so we can just clean out all the bad guys? Here's, let me pick it up here. This is Joshua chapter 10, verse 7. So Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gil- Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them the Lord says to Joshua, for I've given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up against you. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. And then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon, killing them all along the way to Ezekah and Madikah. As the Amorites retreated down the road at Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Ezekiel. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. God was in the battle. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. Now imagine this. He's in the middle of a battle. Here's what he prays. Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ahijalon. And so the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. In this event, is, is this event not recorded in the book of Jashar? The sun sta- stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There's never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. And then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. Joshua was an effective prayer warrior. In fact, his prayers were more powerful than his sword. Because God was killing more with the hailstorms than they were with the swords. I love the idea that we New Testament Christians have the same prayer power that Joshua had. We look in the book of James chapter 5, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky went down, uh, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Ask anything in my name, God says. Wow. I mean, that's a crazy request, right? Let the sun stand still, God. We got to kill all these bad guys. All right, Josh. Sure. You know, it's interesting, you can even look at this, you can talk to astronomers today, and they can tell you that in in some strange way, as they keep a clock, have you ever seen how they, you know, they have these um, universal clocks where they can determine where stars, where the placement of stars were, when stars burned out, when new planets came in, that you can study all that. A lot of astronomers, when they've done the clock, have noticed that there's about a day and a half lag time in the astronomical clock they can't account for. <laughs> Just saying. You might be able to account for a day and a half right here. <laughs> and people might be thinking, well, that's so crazy. How can you believe in a God that is so subjective and will just listen to certain people's prayers? Weren't those other people praying? Yeah. But they were praying to the wrong God. They weren't praying to the one true God. Sown in confusion. That's what Babel means. And so, I want to look at this final passage in the Old Testament. Then I got one more New Testament, we'll be done. 
you get to the end of Joshua's life, God's done amazing things. His, his uh, wingman named Caleb, <laughs> they were the two spies that gave a good report when they came back. Moses, look, we can take them. We, we got it. With God's help, this is going to be ours. They were the only two that survived from Egypt to the promised land. Moses didn't even get that. A whole generation of people died off. The two men that had faith and believed God and gave a good report, they got to go all the way from Egypt to their promised land because of faith. So Joshua in his final words to Israel, he says this in Joshua chapter 23, verse six. So be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. Make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Boy, Israel didn't keep that one, did they? Rather, cling tightly to the Lord your God, as you have done until now. For the Lord has driven out the great and powerful nations before you. No one has yet been able to defeat you. Each one of you will put to, to flight a thousand of the enemy. For the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. So be careful to love the Lord your God. Joshua knew the secret. The secret was to love God. The secret was to obey God. The secret was to pray. The secret was to not be afraid. To be of good courage. Remembering that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Everywhere, everywhere you place your foot, that belongs to you. This promised place belongs to you and to your children and to all who are far off. And that's what's true for us as believers. Joshua means the Lord saves. When Mary and Joseph were in Nazareth in near Galilee, when Christ was conceived, an angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and to Joseph. And they spoke to him in verse, chapter, Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 says, he, Joseph considered all this and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joshua, Yeshua, the second Joshua, which means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Verse 22, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. When I decide, Lord, I'm with you, he says, guess what? I'm with you too. But he's not going to say I'm with you too until you say, God, I'm with you. What, is it, what does it require for you to say, God, I'm with you? It means I'm turning my back on all the other things. I'm turning my back on my old gods, on my old ways, on my old sins, on my way of doing things, of me being in charge. Nope. Just as the angel held up that sword and he said to Joshua, pick a team, boy. 
Not, it's not a question if I'm on your side. Are you on my side? Are you on the Lord's side? Are you going to do it my way? You're going to do it your own way. Lordship. Sovereignty. I'm not the king anymore. I'm not the boss anymore. I'm not my own God anymore. I have to say, yes, I got to surrender. Okay, Lord. <laughs> I'm on your team. And then God goes, all right, good. That's what I wanted to hear. Now I'm with you. You'll be our God. And we'll be your people. If you need to say yes to Jesus, this is for YouTube later this week. Maybe watching on my channel later. Or maybe you're here in, uh, at the park today and you say, yeah, I just need to recommit my life to Christ or say yes to Him. I haven't really been living with Him as the boss of my life spiritually. I wonder if you just pray this prayer with me. Just, just pray these words. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for going my own way. I want to be on your team. I believe God raised you from the dead. Please forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's powerful, man. And if you'll really do that, if you'll live as if you're on God's team, He'll change everything. He'll change how you talk. He'll change how you spend money. and change the friends you keep. It might even change some of your politics. It might change a lot of things. But you know what? God doesn't care so much about politics. He cares about your heart. He wants your heart. And we can land in different places and still be friends and be a family. And so I think if anything we need from believers today of all stripes and colors and skin tones is that we would be on God's side, that we'd be people of love and peace and grace. Well, glad you joined me here today. You can give online or you can put an offering in the box over there. We have touch-free ways to give. I'm going to play here the video in a second. Um, but before I do, we had our second movie night the other night, which was fun. We're still working out the bugs, but I think we're gonna we're gonna get that sound system blaring a little bit louder. And because I, I needed a splitter, but I didn't have it. But we'll get that going. And the transmitter was sitting in a hot trailer all day. I think that's why it kept on overheating. So we're gonna pull that out. We're gonna get better at this at the more we go. But invite a friend this coming Friday night. We're gonna be showing this movie, the movie Frozen. If you've not seen the movie Frozen. It's like a huge sing-along kind of movie and a lot of people love the movie Frozen So it's a great thing to invite them to we do it at dusk So we start setting up Bruce and I were there around 8 o'clock About 8 o'clock is when it start it gets start cooling off enough to get stuff going and we set up the the uh, inflatable screen snack bar and all that stuff and uh, Hopefully see more and more people come week after week and invite them to church that kind of thing um, And we didn't do the tubing last week because we just got so busy and too hot and all that stuff but we do want to organize some kind of water trip because it's really hot these days so we can maybe organize that as well um yeah the river is awesome so thank you guys online for joining us we'll see you next time thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of summit church and the daily outreach of wayne hansen you can support our ministry in many ways click the donate button on our facebook page summit church of castle rock Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. 
or finally text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.